my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The amount of debt that the baby boomers have created is never going to get paid back. And who is supposed to pay it back? Gen Z and millennials. You've polluted our planet. You've screwed up our financial system. And we're sick of it. And so this is literally these young kids fighting back. It's like a giant middle finger to the system. Now we've got a whole universe of day traders that are out there, both in crypto markets and in the equity markets. uh, And they're making money and they're having fun. It's a story that started in a Reddit chat room. It then took Wall Street on by storm, and now it is all everyone is talking about. No one predicted the first big business story of 2021 would be about a sleepy little video game retailer that's been in decline for months, if not years. Now seeing its stock price go from 30 to $340 over a matter of days. Why? Because a bunch of day traders who found one another on social media platforms and chat rooms, figured out a way to take on the system, push head funds out, drive up the markets, all while we're kind of in between administrations and don't even have the next SEC chair confirmed. I'm Stephanie Rule, MSNBC anchor, NBC News senior correspondent, and this is Modern Rules, a podcast from NBC Think and iHeartRadio. We need to explain this story, so I brought in the one and only Mike Novogratz. He is the CEO of Galaxy, the digital currency firm, former co-founder of Fortress, who has a deep understanding of this cultural divide, but also knows a lot about finance. Michael Novogratz, I am reaching out to you today because 
The general news audience needs some help in understanding what in the world is going on. Last summer, when we saw riots break out after George Floyd died, it wasn't just about racial injustice. It was about economic injustice. Two weeks ago, uh, the Capitol riots, again, it was this anti-establishment movement. And now somehow the same spirit is playing out in the last few days in the stock market. It's all coming together with a company that I often would compare to like the radio shack of video game stores, GameStop. And it is the Robin Hood traders, the little guys versus the establishment. Can you tell us the story? Take us back. How did we get here? Well, listen, we've gotten here in over a 20, 30 year period, right? Since 2008, the medicine that central bank governors and ministry of finance chiefs or Department of Treasury heads uh, give to sick economies are more fiscal and a lot more monetary. Let's say we don't know what Fed governors are. The economy was sick in the financial crisis. They pumped money into the system and they put interest rates at zero, which meant wealthy people could borrow money to start businesses and buy houses. But savers weren't making any money and you had to put your money in the stock market because it was the only game in town. Since 2008, we have grown the money supply, right? The amount of dollars in circulation, 5X. And so if you think about if we're sitting around a table and there's an apple and we want to buy the apple, if we give everyone five times as much money, the apple gets a lot more expensive. And so assets, houses, stocks, Bitcoin, uh, you name the asset, art has gone up in value. Well, who owns assets? Rich people. The medicine that our government officials continue to give the sick economy keeps extending the, the gap between the haves and the have-nots. It got wildly supercharged because of the pandemic. So the pandemic did two things. Uh, it stopped the economy. And so the only response that Chairman Powell, the, the head of the Fed, and Mnuchin at that time knew was to throw tons of money at the problem. And we increased money supply faster than we have since World War II. Uh, we grew a, a deficit of $4, you know, $4 trillion. You know, trillion dollars used to be a lot of money. And now we're throwing a trillion dollars around like they're matchsticks. A trillion dollars is 5% of GDP. I mean, it's a staggering amount of money. And so we're running the biggest deficits we've ever run post-World -War, War II. And that money is being recycled into the hands of really wealthy hedge fund managers, but also, you know, young Robinhood traders who are taking their stimulus checks or their extra savings. And they're stuck at home. They can't go to bars and chase girls. Uh, they're stuck at home, they're in front of the computers, and this is almost like a, an addiction. So when we face pandemic crisis, the Fed comes in, they pump money, they uh, stabilize markets. But for the average small business, they were dependent on Congress stepping in and helping them. And the Fed did a whole lot more. So yeah. how much did that worsen, splinter this economic divide? It wasn't like demand went away. It just meant all that business was going to Target and Walmart and Amazon. Listen, the, you know, in the middle of a crisis, often you use the most blunt instrument you have. And you know, monetary supply is the bluntest instrument. And then buying everything. I mean, the Fed literally bailed out hedge funds, bailed out the financial system, uh, partly because the chairman felt he had to. Uh, right? There was no alternative in his mind. Congress could have made a lot more distribution to individuals and less to corporates. Right? There was lots of decisions made in that. Even the PPP, the way that was done, uh, they tried their best. It wasn't that effective. Lots of wealthy businessmen took advantage of the PPP when it was really meant for small businesses.
but it's really hard in a fast moving environment when they felt like the world is collapsing. And so the drug they know how to use is monetary policy. When they gave stimulus, when they had extended unemployment, we had Mitch McConnell saying, well, we have to end that because people are getting paid so much money. They don't want to go back to work when that wasn't the case for the American poor. Half our country has no savings and we've got 50 million people who are food insecure. While the mega rich got mega richer and the pretty rich were buying second houses. That's exactly what's happening. And that's why we're seeing, you know, we saw the riots after George Floyd, which were racial justice. But if you looked around LA, eat the rich. There is this growing friction, growing, I think, uncertainty in our economic policy and our political system and social and civil society. We saw civil society break down in DC. It's really complicated. And now the genie's so far out of the, the bottle, it's hard to figure out how it gets back in. You know, this is also generation, right? This is the younger generation. It's Gen Z and millennials flipping the bird at the baby boomers and saying to the baby boomers, you have taken way too much debt, right? In a lot of ways, it's why crypto was created. Crypto came in 2008 after the financial crisis. It was a middle finger to the system. And it's these same guys who are doing Robinhood that were kind of the spirit of the original crypto revolution. And we're seeing it now growing up in this thing we call decentralized finance, right? Peer-to-peer. We want to cut out Goldman Sachs. We want to cut out the NASDAQ. We want to cut out uh, all the middlemen, all the rent takers. And so all of these things are kind of lining up and they're screaming for systems change. This one episode of going after shorts and hedge funds is endemic of this same idea that the system is geared to the wealthy. It's geared to the rich. It continues to play to their strength. All of that needs to change or we're going to have the revolution. And these are like the first arrows that are being thrown. And you're seeing lots of them in different, in different places. You know, the Donald Trump arrow and the, the Robin Hood trader arrow and the Black Lives Matter protest arrow, three completely different you know, socioeconomic groups, three completely different communities, but all really at their core complaining about the same thing. They are in that Black Lives Matter is saying down with the white male patriarchy that keeps me down. The MAGA movement, while it's not actually what Donald Trump ever did, is this anti-establishment movement. And then the financial arm of it is this DeFi, this, this decentralized finance where these young people, and correct me if I'm wrong, are sick and tired of having to go to the toll takers, opening up that account at JP Morgan, uh, giving Citadel the chance to, to go for, I mean, when, when an average person on the street wants to get in on the Airbnb IPO, by the time they're able to buy that stock, the rich guys are, sell, are the ones selling it to them. So walk us through sort of how this Robinhood trader came to be and how this has played out. Listen, I mean, in lots of ways, right, Robinhood and companies like it brought stock trading uh, to young people. You sign up for a Robinhood account and you fund it with a you know thousand dollars or five hundred dollars or fifty dollars and you can you know buy stocks. You're actually not buying stocks. You're buying derivatives of stocks, right? You're trading against Robinhood and then Robinhood is you know buying and hedging in the stock market. That order flow gets thrown through big order flow processing, but mostly it's it's allowed this casino called the stock market and it's introduced it to all these young people that didn't really participate in the past. 
And so in some ways, it's a great thing, right? It's the democratization of finance. It's giving people a chance. The regulators have to be somewhat nervous in that, you know, do people know what they're doing? And that feels patronizing when someone says that. Michael, you and I both came from the banking world. You can say all the terrible things you want about them, but they're highly regulated, right? They've got strict rules around anti-money laundering, around KYC, know your client. You can't call a a 92-year-old woman on a fixed income and say, can I interest you in a derivatives transaction? But in this decentralized world of finance, you've got- So Robinhood isn't decentralized. Robinhood is still centralized. I would say it's the same spirit of what the decentralized world is coming to. Robinhood is literally just allowing people a cheaper way to access the stock market and a sexier way. And that resonated with that whole generation, Gen Z and millennials. You know, the same type trading happens on TD Ameritrade and E-Trade and other electronic platforms. Okay. And let's go back to the kids. These are not necessarily finance experts. This is people are home, they've got a little money or they're, they're not spending it going out to bars, chasing girls or betting on games. And so they said, I'm going to get my adrenaline rush from trading stocks. Or I'm going to make a living. You know, what's so interesting when I started getting into crypto in 2014, 15, the shocking amount of information and work that was done on Reddit and on Telegram and on Twitter, the crypto lives on Twitter. And, you know, I remember sitting with my daughter's boyfriend and his friend, and they knew more about crypto than I did. And I thought I was a professional. So people are educating the heck out of themselves. Uh, My son, Nacho, was the one who told me about this Reddit chat room that was going after GameStop four nights ago. Doesn't that feel at all dangerous to you that those are the platforms where this information is being shared? You worked at Goldman Sachs. I worked at Deutsche Bank. Before uh, a research report could go out from either of our organizations, they were scrubbed, scrubbed, scrubbed again, and four lawyers then cleaned them up. You know, there's a lot of... uh, thought that's going to be done, I'm sure, in the next few months in the in the CFTC office and in the SEC office. Gary Gensler is, you know, going to take <laughs> take his job and it's like, whoa, a lot to think about, right? Even market manipulation, right? I can't call four hedge funds up and say, dudes, you know, this guy's short, let's all squeeze his short. That would end me in jail. But when it's happening in the masses, who knows where those rules are? Someone's saying, hey, I think, you know, this is a good buy and we should buy it and everybody's short the market. That's not necessarily colluding, but it feels like collusion. And so we might need a whole new set of regulations to deal with this. Listen, what's going on is really bad for capital markets. And the people that are participating, some are making a ton of money. This is going to end in tears because these stocks will collapse at one point. Uh, The retail stocks that have been squeezed, GameStop, they will all collapse. They might not collapse tomorrow. They might not collapse in three days, but they will collapse. I will literally bet you my shoes, my pants, and my in my shirt. I want you to keep all those on. When I even think back to the financial crisis, there was a lot of bad behavior and wrongdoing, but I can't think of any participants that were excited about destroying the markets. When I wake up and I see someone as brilliant and powerful as Elon Musk with the, I kind of like Etsy tweet, and he's laughing as people are scrambling. Elon Musk likes to use Etsy and then they're buying it up. Elon Musk isn't going to care if the markets are destroyed. He's going to get on his rocket ship and go to Mars. <laughs> and our capital mar- literally, and our capital markets are going to be decimated. I, like I said, regulators have their hands full. And unfortunately, we're in between these, you know, we're, we're just transitioning. 
you know, Gary hasn't been approved yet as the SEC chair, the CFTC. And I think this has come out so fast, right? They will have um, an answer. They will. What it, will it be the right answer? I don't know. But like, it's, it's imperative at this point that these guys are going to do something. And listen, we have these correlated risk unwinds all the time. And no one ever feels bad for the hedge fund manager who just loses his shirt. The capital markets thing is, is a, a more important question than the individual hedge fund manager. And I think this is part of what happens when you allow leverage. This is, this is in lots of ways Chairman Powell's fault. And he knew he was doing this. He's created a bubble. This is a bubble of monumental proportions, right? We're debasing the dollar as fast as we can. He might be the only option he has, right? How are we going to pay all this debt that we just keep running? We're going to run up the debt and deficit. And then when we decide to cut the deficit, we're going to cut social programs from the poorest people who are going to suffer again. Here's the real issue, Stephanie. We need a new paradigm. We had one that was called globalization. It worked for a long time. It stopped working probably in 2013, 14. We didn't realize it until uh, Brexit happened in 15 and then Trump in 16. And since then, we haven't come up with a story, a narrative that people can rally around. And so we've got populist left and populist right. No one's really come up with good solutions to deal with how do we structure our capitalist economy in 2020 that is a little more egalitarian and still functions. Do you have to burn the house down? I'm an institutionalist and I'm a, you know, like, so I'm hoping the house doesn't get burned down. Think of Uber, like Travis Kalachny, right? He broke every rule in every borough he, you know, tried to start Uber in until the citizens of that county, state, city said, we want Uber, change the rules so he can function. And so every once in a while, you do have to push and break a little glass to change things for the better. And so there's this balance, I think, between not breaking our institutions and forcing them to change. We'll be back after the break. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. 
You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. So explain to us technically how this GameStop thing played out. There are people that are participating. They figured out who was short. They bought lots of -of out-of-the-money call options, right? The internet is an unbelievable network. And like-minded communities find their way onto Twitter pages or Telegram chats or these Reddit chat rooms. And people started realizing if you buy way out-of-the-money calls, the dealers who sell them to you, who sell them systematically to you, get short prices that they never think would happen. And so these young traders are using that playbook on individual stocks that are owned by hedge funds. And all of a sudden, as it starts working, then hedge funds start saying, hey, who's short this? Who's short that? Oh, this guy's in trouble. He's also long this. Let's sell that. And, you know, the the unfortunate side is these are hedge fund managers that have been stock pickers for long periods of time that have great track records that, you know, maybe they got too complacent, you know, their asset size was too big, their shorts were too big, but it wasn't like, this is like specific, let's pick on this guy because this was, hey, these guys are symbolic of a system and we're going to go after the system. And listen, they're young guys having a ton of fun. Like when you make money, it is unbelievably thrilling. And so there's a bro culture that's part of this that, listen, it will end in tears, but right now these guys are having the time of their lives. They have cheerleaders like Chamath, who wants to be the governor of, of California, and Elon Musk. I will say in their defense, they do have to turn on financial news every day where, you know, sort of established money managers are mocking the Robin Hood traders, you know. So there is some aspect of it where they're sticking it to them. But do any of them actually believe in GameStop as a company? No, no, this is a game. I mean, it's kind of interesting it's named GameStop. This is just a game. Even Tesla, you can tell the great Tesla story, but Tesla's valuation is nothing. You know, it's a religion. It's like a, it's a belief system now. It's not a valuation, it's a company. If you're a 27-year-old kid or a 25-year-old kid and you inherit a lot of money and the rules are you can invest this money, but you've got to not do anything for 20 years. Are you going to buy long bonds at one and a half percent? Probably not. Are you going to leave it in cash with a deteriorating dollar? Probably not. Are you going to buy the stock market, which is at the highest valuations we've ever seen? You know, it's really scary, like where you're supposed to put your money. So you're buying Bitcoin, you're buying story stocks that other people are buying because the alternatives are really crappy. When we were young, you could put your money in a savings account. When I first got to Wall Street, rates were 7%. And everyone believed in the U.S. dollar. Also, when you and I were young, we moved to New York and we worked in banks 
and we had to pay rent and we were going out socially and we were buying clothes. We were going to sporting events. Young people in the last year moved home with their parents because everybody can work from home. So they're living rent free. They're not socializing. They're not going on trips. So they are sitting there with much more disposable income than they normally have. Yeah, 100 percent. And so, listen, this won't last. The vaccine is going to get rolled out. People are going to move back to the cities. Kids want to go out. I've got three, you know, 20 something kids and they are ready for the, uh, you know, the next chapter. You're acting like it's your kids who want to go out when anyone who knows you here, Michael, <laughs> no, it's, it's you. This is true. I'm ready. And I think things will normalize. But I think these are good lessons for all of us to realize that we do need systems change. The, the status quo isn't working and thinking it's going to work. And it's not anyone's fault per se, right? We have, there's so many factors that have gone into this inequality gap. It's technology, it's globalization, it's the political shifts. Uh, but when you put them all together, we have a world where the haves and the have-nots are, are too far apart. How do we gradually get back to a place that's more balanced? You've had a lot of the Wall Street community talk about, you know, multi-stakeholder capitalism. So talk is good, action's better. I think some of the ideas are gestating and they're getting there, but the macros haven't moved yet. And COVID made everything worse. It just accelerated all the bad things. The system is designed for the rich, for the institutions. Think about yourself. How hard was it for you to make your first buck? When you're rich, it's easier to get richer. It was still relatively hard back then to make your first buck. You know, I was called a grub steak. How do you get your grub steak so you can then gamble, so that you can then invest, so you can buy a house? The, the first $100,000 you ever save, the first 50000 is the hardest you'll ever save, unless you get really lucky. And most people don't get lucky. I don't think that's changed now and then. What's changed is, wow, if you have a whole lot of money and you have access, you're compounding that at a stunning rate. GameStop traded $20 billion yesterday, and today already it's traded $22 billion. $22 billion of turnover. I have a public company that you know is a $2.5 billion market cap that probably trades $10 million, $15 million on a normal day. You know, some people want to take a bet. Some people want to get out of a bet. Now, we'd like it to have more volume, but like $22 billion, it's the number one traded asset in the world right now, GameStop. So it's just this game. And all of this is legal. All of it's legal. Listen, you're, you're, you, you might have the regulators look back and say, hey, we need to change something, but there's no way they're going to go after 100,000 young kids. <laughs> Are we to be that naive? Like it really just... Is 100,000 young kids on Reddit going, yeah, bro, let's get this? That's how it started. And it's this, I mean, they're not, they're not all young kids. I'm sure there's some adults in there as well. And then the hedge funds get engaged, right? Smart hedge funds are sharks. Who's short what? Look at Bed Bath & Beyond or AMC. These stocks have exploded. Dead business models that people were short. There was an ethos of selling broken business models that aren't going to work. And so people had big shorts because they had huge conviction that fundamentally they'd be right over the six months, one year. And they never really expected that this hive of bumblebees would come and create so much electricity and energy that it would push things to the point where they had to stop out of their positions. Leave us something to think about for people who are not crypto experts, who are not markets experts, who are just turning this on and saying, what? 
think, how should we think about what's happening today? I would stay away from trading these markets if, if I was a, you know, normal everyday, you know, mom and dad or, you know, not working in the hedge fund business or the financial market business. It's really, really dangerous out there. This is like one big, you know, poker game that's become the biggest poker game right now. GameStop's not worth $27 billion. At one point, you know, the CEO is going to say, hey, I'd like to sell some stock up here. Uh, I'd like to sell as much stock as humanly possible up here. And, and that will collapse the price and slowly but surely all these longs will get unwound and it won't last. It'll be gone. Well, GameStop will be talked about in the same way, you know, Porsche Mercedes, that giant squeeze that happened 10 years ago was talked about. People will forget it unless you got killed in it. <laughs> and then you'll remember it for a long, long time. Uh, and it's why TD Ameritrade stopped trading in it today. Uh, they just said, hey, whoa, we're, it's too risky for our customers. You know, we're at insanity levels. My last question. You yourself love the game. At any point over the last week, have you wanted to trade GameStop? I traded a little bit today. <laughs> oh, I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! But just a tiny amount just for the... Just, I knew it! I knew just, it! Just, you got me. You got me. We're, we're sitting here in a professional environment and, you know, this is what we do for a living. It's just an unbelievably dangerous game. Be careful. All right, Michael, thank you so, so much. I really, really appreciate it. Awesome. Be well, Stephanie. Oof, that was a lot. You know, normally we try to keep this podcast pretty brief and leave you some time to think. Well, today I'm not leaving you much time. Michael had a lot to say, but there is a lot to think about. And after listening to all this, after watching the markets, after watching the last year that we had, it's extraordinary to me. We saw all different small groups and individuals pull together this year and push large scale movements and protests. And now here we are, a whole bunch of people over the last year, especially in the last week, have found a way to drive the markets. They've driven government, they've driven industry, and now they've driven finance. But when you have Elizabeth Warren and a whole bunch of people on Wall Street agreeing and calling for more regulation, things are gonna change. I am sure there's going to be more scrutiny, more regulation. What I'm not sure of is when these musical chairs stop, who's gonna miss their chair? Because on this trade, I'm just not sure who's gonna lose and I don't know who's gonna get blamed. I'm Stephanie Rule, and you're listening to Modern Rules, a podcast from NBC Think, MSNBC, and iHeartRadio. This podcast is hosted by me, Stephanie Rule. Mike Biet and Katrina Norvell are executive producers. Meredith Bennett-Smith is senior editor for NBC Think and our editorial lead. The podcast is engineered and edited by Josh Fisher. Additional production support provided by Charles Herman, Rachel Rosenbaum, and Lauren Wynn. And special thanks to Catherine Kim our global head of digital news, right here at NBC News and MSNBC. For more thought-provoking analysis, visit NBCNews.com slash think. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.